Well, tonight I want to talk about baptism again, but I'm actually going to go in a very different direction than, than I planned to, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but first let me give you the title to the sermon, okay? Write this down if you like to write things down. The title for tonight, tonight's message is The One Who Is Worthy. The One Who Is Worthy. After the sermon last week, and I talked about baptism last week, I had a few different people come up and say, can I, ha- can I ask you a question? And I said, of course. And, and all, all three of these questions were basically the same question. I'm not sure if I'm worthy enough to be baptized. It's like, okay. Um, one person even said, uh, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I'm baptizable. It's like, are you asking if you're unbaptizable? And, and the person was like, yeah. And so I had never heard of that. And so I assured her, at the very least, I've never heard of the term unbaptizable. But they were asking the same question, in, just in a different way. Am, am I worthy to be baptized? I'm not sure if I'm worthy enough to be baptized. And so I gave them the answer that any good pastor would give them. I'm, I'm not sure I'm worthy And so I told him, of course you're not worthy. And they were like, you know, they kind of, but of course I followed up that statement. You are not worthy, but Jesus is. You guys with me? You're not worthy, but Jesus is worthy. You remember I linked baptism and 2 Corinthians 5.17 together. If you ever want a simple explanation, what is baptism about, or you needed to explain it to someone else, take them to 2 Corinthians 5.17 because it says, if anyone is in Christ, if they're in Christ, then they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And what I want to tell you tonight, this is, this is this whole sermon in one sentence, so write this down. What I want to tell you tonight is that God sees me, sees you, sees us as worthy because we are found in his son. God sees me as worthy because I, you, we, us, every believer is found in his sons. Please hear me tonight because this is important. I believe there's more people than just those few last week that were asking or having the same kinds of thoughts. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Marvin actually referred to it during uh, his um, transition time. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were dead in our sin, like we talked about last week, God demonstrated that he loved us by sending his son. While we were still in sin, he demonstrated love by sending his son to death, to die on the cross. What Paul doesn't say is that God demonstrated his love for us once we got our act together. Well, God demonstrated his love for us when you, when you guys were finally worthy enough for me to send him to you. That's not what Paul says. It's like while we were still sinners is when God demonstrated his love to us. Humanity was never worthy. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for a world full of unworthy people. You guys know that, right? 
It doesn't make any sense to me. Every time I ponder the gospel, I'm like, man, I just wouldn't have done it that way. It makes no sense to me, but that is exactly what God did. He demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still bound up, jacked up in our sin, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He gave up his son. Jesus laid down his life. And now, because I can see that this amazing act of love was demonstrated to us, now for me, I, I take it and I make it personal and I spend the rest of my life loving God and living my life for him and giving him the, the very first and the very best of everything that I am, everything that I have. First John 4. You guys know, you're familiar with this. We love because he first loved us. It's simple. We love because of the way he demonstrated his love for us. What I want to do right now is I want you to go to to Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see these words I'm about to read. Philippians chapter 3. So go ahead and turn there. (coughs) Excuse me. Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 7. Look what it says. It says, But whatever was an asset to me, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. You guys there? Everybody there? I want you to see it in, the, in these pages. He says, For the sake, I'm sorry, but whatever was an asset to me, I count as loss for the sake of of Christ. That means that the old is no longer good enough for me. Paul's saying the old doesn't work for me anymore. He goes on and says, more than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and for whom I have lost all things. He says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. It's like Paul saying, in my head and in my heart, I understand now that the only thing that will ever be good enough for me, satisfying enough for me, is Jesus. He says that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, he says, and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, like from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. Now listen, you guys have got to get this. Y'all, y'all reading the same place? Are we all reading? Okay, you got to get this. Paul's talking about a righteousness or a worthiness that we have. But it doesn't come from following a set of rules or, or laws. It doesn't come from, um, from anything like that. It's, it's not, we don't have a righteousness or a worthiness because we never make mistakes or we've done all the right things or because we're doing the good enough stuff. My righteousness, he's saying my worthiness is from God on the basis of my faith in his son. Because I am found in Jesus and he is found Worthy, and I too am seen by God as worthy. So picture this, because this is counterintuitive to what most of us ponder in our hearts. Imagine God looking down at the world, and he sees those who are found in Jesus Christ. They're born again. We've been talking about salvation. We've been talking about communion. We've been talking all these things. Um, those who are found in, in him, he looks down, and he sees all these little We'll call them red dots because we're covered in the blood of the lamb, right? He sees all these red dots and he's like, look at all those worthy people. Amen? 
But that worthiness only comes because we have put our faith in Jesus. You guys with me? You guys remember, um, well, let me read this because I forgot to read this part. Verse 10, look at verse 10 while you're still there. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to him in his death. What does that sound like? If you were here last week, you know what that sounds like. It sounds like baptism. Talking about the power of his resurrection being conformed to him in his death. Sounds like baptism, doesn't it? Again, now that I am found in Christ, all I want to know is Christ. Or at least that's the way it should be. All I want to know is Christ. And when I go under the water, I'm being, it says I'm conformed to him in his death. That's another way of saying that I'm being identified with Christ. When I go under this water, we're going to have some people go under the water tonight. When they do, they are, they are identifying themselves with Christ. That he, he died and he was put in the grave, but he was resurrected. And now we walk in the newness of life. And when I come out of that water, I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill me up and help me to walk in the power of his resurrection. Baptism right there, right there in uh, Philippians. I was thinking this morning, and I, I added this scripture. And we're familiar with it because we've been talking about it in the month of February when we talked about sal- uh, salvation. Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you are familiar with that? All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short. Catch these words, they're important. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But listen to me. For those who are found in Christ Jesus, we get to apply another scripture. It's it's Psalm 3, verse 3, where it says that God is now the glory and the lifter of our head. Okay, so all have fallen in sin and have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but those who are found in him, now God is the glory and the lifter of, his, of our heads. I don't have to walk with my head down as if guilt and shame and regret and all those things are somehow dictating my worthiness. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those things aren't applied now because I'm found in him. I am worth something to God because I am found in his Son, and man, I can, I can almost feel the tension in the room right now because I think, I think so many of us have heard sermons, teachings, emphasis that we're not worthy. We're unworthy. You're unworthy. Only God is worthy. And that's half true. Outside of Christ, when we're not in him, we're absolutely unworthy. But as soon as we have put our faith in him, we just read these scriptures The old me is gone, the new me has come, and the new me is found in him. And if he is worthy, and I am in him, and he is in me, then guess what? Now I am worthy. I don't have to walk around like, I'm just a scumbag, just pick me like a scab, you know? Listen, guys, we can hold our head high. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. Remember that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but he is the glory and the lifter of of our heads for those who are found in him. Now listen, this is true, but the problem is is that the enemy wants to keep our head in the dirt. How many of you know this is to be true? That the enemy wants to keep us just like this. Revelation 12 says the devil is the accuser of those who are found in Christ. Revelation 12, look it up on your own. 
that, that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, that he is the one that accuses both day and night. That's what it says. Day and night, the devil accuses everyone who is found in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means that devil, the devil is running a 24-hour accusation service. Okay? He's running a business. And they're open 24 hours. You got, can you pick that up? Some of you are so thankful for 24-hour Walmarts. The devil is open 24 hours a day. And some of you are like, I know where he's at most of the time. He's at 24-hour Walmart, you know. <laughs> I know what you were thinking. Sorry, that probably wasn't good to say. But listen, his business is to make us feel like junk. His business, his moneymaker is to make us feel like we are unworthy of anything good. That we're unworthy of salvation. That we're unworthy to be baptized. That we're unworthy of any kind of blessing. That we're unworthy to experience any kind of joy or peace or, or hope or anything like that. That's what he is banking on. And he's very good at it. He's really good at it. Making Christians walk in defeat. Convinced that we are unworthy. I want to show you something, and I want you to turn there. This is Zechariah chapter 3, and I actually shared this a couple of weeks ago in kind of a different context, but we're going to look at this again because it's 100% applicable for tonight, and I want you to hear it. And this is what I encouraged um, one, one of the people being baptized in particular with, and I thought, you know what? I had something else I want to share, but I want to share this because I think it's going to speak to someone tonight. Zechariah chapter 3, of course, this is the Old Testament, one of the prophets, Zechariah chapter 3. Let me turn there as well. Check it out. Everybody there? I want you to see these words. See these words. Make marks in your Bible. Now, this is a vision or a picture or a vision that God gave the prophet Zechariah. And this is what he showed him. He said, then God showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And real quick, Revelations 1, Revelations 5, and 1 Peter 2 all basically say the same thing. They tell us that if, if we are in Christ, we are called priests. We're a, we're a royal priesthood. We're a kingdom, and we are priests, okay, that we have been made into priests. It says it in different ways in different places. So the vision, hear this, the vision that Zechariah gets is a, a picture. He's about to describe something that applies to anyone who is found in Christ. Can you pick that up? I saw Joshua, the high priest, standing before the Lord. We stand before the Lord. We are a kingdom of priests, okay? So get that. What we're about to see applies to anyone in this room that is found in Christ. He says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Okay, so this scene checks out with what we just learned about Revelations 12, doesn't it? Satan is constantly picking on people who are found in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 says that the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Israel rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, you got to get this. Every accusation of Jesus is met with a rebuke. I'm sorry. Every accusation 
of Satan is met with a rebuke from God. Remember what I said. What we're seeing here is a picture or a type of what is happening in the heavenlies to everyone who is found in Christ. Satan is standing at the right hand with his pointer finger going, you're this, you're that, you'll never this, you're this, you'll always be this. He's making his accusations day and night, 24-hour service. But for every accusation, the Lord is there with a rebuke. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. God's fighting for us. Amen? In fact, let me, let me read the whole verse. I, I read um, um, Psalm 3, verse 3 a while ago, uh, the glory and lift from my head. But let me read the whole thing to you. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. That basically means that Satan can talk smack, but God's got your back. Right? We need to make a t-shirt with that. Satan's going to talk his smack, but God's got your back. He says, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And I want to explain that, what that means because it seems like a really interesting, odd thing to say, and mainly because we don't use the word brand. But a brand, what he's talking about here, is a burnt piece of smoldering wood, like a, like a charred piece of wood. It's just been burnt up. You guys... Pick that up. Think of a campfire with a, a, you know, a black charred chunk of wood smoking in the ashes. We were camping this week and uh, out at Tyler State Park. And um, w- at one point, we ran out of wood. We had brought some wood, and uh, we ran out of wood. And I'm like, oh, we had to go buy some wood at some point. But in the meantime, what I did is I looked around at the campsites around us, and a couple of them were still empty. And so I went over there, and I was finding old charred pieces of wood that still had a little meat on them, you know what I mean? And I was, like, gathering charred wood. And by the time, I had, I had black stuff all over me. Now, we burnt that wood. We used that wood. Some may call that thieving. I call that ingenuitivity. Anyway. But can you picture that? He says, is this not, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Shut up with your accusations. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Is this not a a, a charred piece of, of wood that's been yanked from the fire? I love what Charles Spurgeon says on this. I'm just going to tell you what he says, his little commentary. He says, he is nothing but a brand plucked out of the fire. It is, talking about Joshua, the high priest, the enemy is accusing. It is his daily moan. That he is a sinner. In other words, Joshua knows where he's been, what he's done. It's his daily moan that he's a sinner. But Christ accepts him as he is. And he shuts the mouth of the devil by telling him. And and so this is Charles Spurgeon's version of what God's saying about, is he not a brand plucked from the fire? You say this man is black. And we're not talking about a black man. We're talking about a, you guys remember that? Never know. Is a black man? I thought Joshua was Jewish. Anyway. You, you say that this man is black or a charred piece of, of wood. Of course he is. What did I think he would be but that? He is a brand plucked out of the fire. I'm the one who plucked him out of it. You guys seeing this? God's saying he was burning when he was in it. He is black now that he is out of it. He is what I knew he would be. He is not what I mean him to be, but he is what I knew he would be. I have chosen him as a brand plucked out of the fire. What do you have to say with that? That's Charles Spurgeon. And what he's saying is like, you didn't, you're making these accusations about Joshua. You don't think I know this about Joshua? 
Yeah, he's pretty messed up. Charred old piece of wood, burnt up from whatever. I know that. I'm the one that plucked him out of the fire. You're not telling me anything that I don't already know. You guys see that? It goes on in verse three and says, now, Joshua, and he's painting the reality in the vision. In in this vision, I got all this is going on. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel of the Lord. He spoke and he said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. So let me pull all that scene together again. The devil's accusing Joshua, who represents all of us who are in Christ, found in Christ, accusing him, no telling what he was saying to Joshua. I know what he would say about me. You know what he would say about you. But the Lord is right there, ready with a rebuke, and says, shut up, Satan. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? You're not saying or telling me or him or anybody in the court anything we don't already know. I know who he was. I'm the one that pulled him out of it. Hey, can y'all come get this guy some new robes? Do you guys see that? Isn't that a beautiful picture? And really, it's a picture of baptism. It's out with the old and in with the new. You were filthy, but now you're clean, right? You were gross, but now you're clean because you've been washed with the blood. You've been washed with the water of the word like it talks about in Ephesians chapter five. Remember God, we talked about this last week. God separated Noah and his family from the filth of the world, from sin and from death and from wickedness when he brought them through the flood. We talked about Israel and how he separated them from Egypt by bringing them through the Red Sea. And that water came down and crushed their enemies. Right? You guys might remember that baptism tells about that transition from old to new. You used to be filthy. Y'all listen to me. You and me, we used to be filthy and we deserved filthy rags is that true or not but now we have been plucked from the fire by God himself now now we are clean and as a gift God gives us these new pairs of clothes clean clothes are you seeing that and i want to i want to i want to tell you what galatians 5, 327 says, because you'll never believe it. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, listen, everybody look, all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I love that. God sees me as worthy because I'm found in his son. All I have to do is stay in the faith. All I have to do is keep wearing those threads he gave me, right? I got to keep Jesus on, walk in the newness of life like we talked about last week. So the question again, are you worthy? Are you worthy? If you're asking yourself, I don't know if I'm worthy. Listen, yes, you are. I'm not worthy of that raise. I just don't think I'm worthy of that raise. And listen, I'm telling you something I personally struggle with. I never feel worthy. The enemy's always pointing. He knows, he knows how to get me going. And some of you may deal with the same thing, the, the material of choice in your life. You may not feel like you're worthy of this, feel like you're worthy of that. And maybe you're even um, kind of chewing the cut of some old teaching, some bad doctrine 
well, you're just, you're just trash. You're just, you're just destined for, you know. No, that's not what the Bible says. Anyone who's in him is a new creation in Christ Jesus. You guys hear what I'm saying? In case you need a little more convincing, look at what he says in verse five. Zechariah chapter three, verse five. Go get this boy some new clothes. And then the angel said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. I love that. The angel of the Lord standing there the whole time watching this. Lord standing there watching this. So go put a turban on his head. You got to know what a turban is like this thing you put on. That's the thing you put on your head, obviously. Right. Okay. Let me explain something. The turban the reason he said, go get this guy a new turban or a turban. The turban was something that high priests, um, it was part of their garments, part of their getup. And it was on the front of it, on the front of this turban was a little gold plate and it had an inscription on it. And that inscription literally says, holiness to the Lord. So he says, go get, I mean, guys, come on. It's right there. The old you, yeah, pretty charred. The new you, hey, get this guy some new clothes and let me tell you who you are now. It is stamped on your head, holy. You are holy to the Lord. You've been set apart for his plans and his purposes. If I've been set apart for his plans and his purposes, surely I'm worth something. And if I'm worth something to who? To who? To to God, right? I'm getting excited. I'm about to go Pentecostal on everybody in this room right now. I'm telling you. Now, let me ask you this. Where is a turban worn? This is not a trick question. (laughs) On your head. (laughs) Oh, Lord, my God, you are a shield about me, and you are the glory and the lifter of my head. You've got to put those things together. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but in Christ... He is now lifting my head. I don't have to walk like this. I don't have to walk with all that. I can walk tall and walk proud and confident. That was one of the things we, this is my confidence, never failed me yet, right? We're singing those songs because they're true. <laughs> He's the glory and lifting my head. Put the turban on the boy. Give the boy a turban. And here's what is, here's your new label. You were a brand plucked from the fire, but now you got new robes and now you are considered holy, righteous. Another way of saying that is worthy. Amen. God, I couldn't have even come up with a better closing than that. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. We are found in him, not having a righteousness from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness or the worthiness from God on the basis of faith in his son. Galatians 3, again, for all of us who have been baptized into Christ, we have, we have clothed ourselves. You guys see these pictures? How they, we've clothed ourselves with Christ. Yes, I am righteous. I'm worthy. Why? Because I've clothed myself with Jesus. And now God sees me as worthy because I am found in his son. Now, if you are not found in his son yet, if you've not given your life to Christ, guess what? You do not have the label of worthy on you. Yes, you are still unworthy. If you want to be worthy of something greater than you are about right now in your life, the best way to change, go old to new, is to put your faith in Jesus. 
to be found in him, everything changes. You are given a turban. You are given a label. You are now wholly set apart for my plans and my purposes. This This is good. Let me show you two more things, and I'm going to have the band come up. John 1, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to read this to you. I want you to listen to this. This is John chapter 1. This is when John the Baptist, he was out baptizing people in the, uh, at the Jordan. Okay, you guys, most of you know that story. But listen, it says that one day some Pharisees who had been sent by probably the Sanhedrin asked him, hey, John, why are you baptizing people? If you're not the Christ, you've already said you're not the Christ, or you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, why are you baptizing people? And John said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. In other words, the Messiah is actually with you. You just don't know it yet. He is the one, listen to this, he is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany beyond the Jordan while John was baptizing. Interesting that these are words that are being exchanged during baptism. Listen, what John is not saying is, you, got, you know what, you are right. I'm so glad you guys came out here today because you've shown me the error of my ways. I'm baptizing all these people. But you're right. I, I'm not worthy to be doing this. What, what was I thinking? Thank you for showing me how unworthy. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't self-deprecating. All he was doing is actually trafficking the glory, trafficking the worthiness to the Lord. He was proclaiming the one who is worthy. You can't mistake that. You guys see what I'm saying? And let me show you another scene. This is in Matthew chapter 3. And this is actually the day that Jesus comes to John the Baptist while he's baptizing. And Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. Look what it says. Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent Jesus. Like, whoa, 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 Jesus, think about this. He says, I need to be baptized by you. I can't be the one baptizing you. I, ha- I have need to be baptized you. And do you come to me? Again, this was, in- he's not saying, I, I, oh, I'm just unworthy. He's, all he's doing is he's emphasizing Jesus's worthiness right there. I'm not worthy to, be, to baptize you. What, he's not saying I'm just unworthy. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, listen, I want you to permit it. You're, ultimately, you're right, John. I mean, who can baptize the king, king, Lord, Lord? But I want you to allow it, permit it at this time. Listen to what he says. For in this way, by you doing this, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And what he was saying is, I need you to do this because it is going to allow everyone in the future who is found in me to become worthy before the Father. Do you guys hear that? It's necessary. I know, John. I know that this is, you know. But I need you to do this because in doing this, now everyone who puts their faith in me will be found worthy before my Father. And then what do we hear next? If Jesus baptizes, we know that a, a dove comes upon him. The Holy Spirit comes upon him like a, a dove. And then you hear this. If you read the account, it's this big, booming voice. This big, booming voice. You guys stand with me. This big, booming voice comes from heaven. And, and what do we hear? That's right. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The day Jesus got baptized, he let the whole world know the one who is worthy. Jesus is the one who is worthy. Amen? Do you guys see that? 
God sees me as worthy because I'm found in his son. We are found in him, not having a righteousness of our own based on the law or deeds or anything like that, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, the worthiness from God based on faith in his son. Now listen, if you are like me, you want to know, okay, so so what do I need to do? What do I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. Jesus is worthy. What's my responsibility? Let me tell you a couple things. Remember we said that we love because he first loved us, right? We love. Our response to him is love because we recognize, we get it now. It was incredible what God did. What an act of love, okay? Listen to what John, what Jesus says in John 15. This is to my Father's glory. That's not wasted on me. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But those who are found in Christ Jesus are now God is our glory and he's the lifter of our head. So listen, this is to my father's glory. This is what brings my father glory. This is what you need to do. That you bear much fruit, proving yourself to be my disciple. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. That's it. Everybody say, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What do you do? You keep the turban on your head. Can I say it that way? Keep the turban on your head. Keep that marker on your head. Continue walking in the holiness to God. Don't walk like this. If, if you're walking like this, then you're believing the lies and the accusations of the enemy. You walk tall because he's the glory and the lift of your head. Amen? And when you show the world that thing that's written on your head, that you're a witness to how good and great he is, things around you begin to change. I want to show you one more thing, and I know you're standing, but just consider it calorie burning. Zechariah 3, verse 6. This is the tail end of it, and this is essentially the same thing Jesus was saying in John 15. So after all this went down, the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. Thus says the Lord of hosts, listen, if you will walk in my ways, if you will perform my services, it's another way of saying if you will remain in me, then you will then you will. And that's when all those promises, all those blessings that the enemy's trying to rob us, that 24-hour blessing robbing service that he's got, you can fill in the blank with whatever you want. Then you will, or whatever your heart is desiring, longing for, then you will fill in the blank with your own heart, need, and desires. What he says is, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access from among those who are standing there. And one more scripture. This is Revelations 3, 4. In Revelations um, 2 and 3, Jesus is speaking to seven different churches. One of them is the church of Sardis. And he says, Sardis, church of Sardis, you have a few people in your midst. You do have a few people in your midst who have not soiled their garments. In other words, so many in the church are walking around with soiled garments. They're not walking around with the turban on their head. 
He said, Sardis, you do have a few people who have not yet soiled their garments. And listen to what he says. And they will walk with me. Those who have not soiled their garments, they will walk with me in white for they are guests.